Hello there, and welcome to the Big Boss Book Club. Thank you for listening to the Big Boss Book Club. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Boss Book Club, Twitter at Big Boss 010, and on Facebook at Big Boss Book Club. Uh, you can support the show by giving us a follow on any of those social media platforms, uh, a review on any of the platforms that the podcast is available, such as uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and Google Podcasts, as an example. You can also subscribe to the show on any of those platforms as well, so you get the show sent straight to you on its release. Um, our link tree is also available on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, this week we are going to be looking at a Flesh and Blood Blitz deck tech. Um, I really just want to go into a little bit of a little bit of background. So, essentially, this episode was originally going to be the first episode of this season, um, and I was going to be talking about a deck I put together for Chain, which I used to get a top eight at a, a ProQuest event a, a few months ago. Now. Shortly before starting to record this season, the latest set came out, Uprising, on 24th June. And unfortunately at that point, Chain had hit enough Living Legend points that he, well, he was banned. <laughs> so that kind of put a bit of a halt. I'd done quite a lot of notes, got into a lot of detail about the deck. I'd put together what I thought was a really good episode. And um, sadly... Yeah, the, it became completely pointless talking about it because outside of maybe chilling out at home, casually playing with your friends, you there was no point going through the deck list because, it, yeah, it just wasn't going to see any play. Um, so then I decided I would do an episode about Uprising and talk about Dromai, the uh, Ash artist, um, because I'd come up with this really fun deck where basically she... She didn't really play any dragons. She only really used the uh, uh, like the, the the ash wings. Didn't use the main, um, the big name dragons. Anything from sort of uh, Domina down to um, Tomaltai down to um, and, uh, Kyloria. Didn't use any of them dragons. Just used the ash wings and played very much like Fi. Really, really heavy in the Phoenix Flames and and going down that route of a lot of chain links. Um, I thought it was really fun uh, I put the deck together had a few games with it it got trounced um, and from playing it I kind of sat there and was like if you're going to play this deck you might as well just play Fi because he can get the Phoenix Flame in the bin from point zero so you're already, your engine is already working and to be quite frank Ninja just plays it better so that then fell apart really quickly <laughs> um, like really quickly so i thought to myself well skirmish season is here it's blitz time let's do blitz um wh who should i do and i thought well i've literally got Leviah, one of my favorite heroes in the entire game um a hero that's very i feel a lot of sentiment towards um and i've got her sat in a deck box 
because I've played her at a couple of local um, armories at, at my local geek retreat in Northwich. I thought, Let's, why don't I just talk about Levira instead? <laughs> so that's exactly what we're going to do this week. The deck itself is currently 5-0, and technically 6-0, and but one that six whims a buy, so I'm not going to count it. Um, at armories, it's 1-2 straight armories, which I'm super chuffed with. So what I'm going to do this week, we're going to go have a look up at the lore behind Leviat. Not too much, because to be quite frank, the, you can read it all on the Flesh and Blood website, and it's really good. And I think I'd just end up ruining it if I went try and explain it all. So yeah, go read it on the Flesh and Blood website. It, we'll we'll touch on a little bit of the the lore in this episode, and but but yeah, go go check it out on the website. So. We'll go through the most recent iteration of the deck, because I have since moved it to Classic Constructed. I'll have a bit of a touch on that as well, like, towards the end of this episode. But um, So we'll go for a quick break, we'll come back, we'll just get into a little bit of info about Lafayette, her backstory, and then we'll start talking about the actual deck itself and how it plays. So we'll um, be right back. So, um, Leviathan was introduced in Monarch, as I mentioned. She was one of our um, four heroes. She's the first of the Shadow Brute class. So, to put that into perspective, she can play Shadow, Shadow Brute, Brute, and Generic cards. Both her adult and young art were both done by, I'm probably going to butcher this, uh, Wisnu Tan. I probably destroyed that that name, but it's fine. Um, the stats are, as you would expect, 4 intellect, 20 health for young hero, 40 health for the adult hero. Her ability her ability is, um, if a card with 6 or more damage has been put into your banished zone this turn, cards you own lose blood debt during the end phase. So, we'll have a look at that a bit briefly, although I'm not going to lie to you, her ability doesn't really come much into play um, for this deck, so... We'll talk about it a little bit though. So uh, her backstory is a little bit of a tragic one. Essentially, born into poverty, her mother sold her and her um, and Leviathan into uh, the Bath Months to to work as basically slave servants. The story continues that Leviathan's mother disappeared one night and left her a rather cryptic uh, warning message, basically telling Leviathan to escape. However, it's noted that. Leviah decided to stick around to try and find out what happened. Bit of a bit of like a a sleuth, but she uh, eventually uncovered the that the secret of the Barthamonts, especially Lady Barthamont, was that she was essentially a psycho, <laughs> and she basically was playing like sacrificing dark rituals, that type of stuff. Um, you know, Satanism, I guess, would be the the closest approximation. Now, Leviathan essentially, the, the lore is, is all there on the Flesh and Blood website, so I highly recommend going and having a read of it, because it is really good. Essentially, for me, the, the gist of it is that she gets more angry, like a lot of people would probably be like running terror, but Leviathan sort of feels a deep-seated anger, because she kind of, I think, is putting it together, that she knows what's happened um, to, her, to her family. Um, of course, Leviathan then starts trying to recreate some of these rituals and incantations that she's seen 
basically in an attempt to try and, well, the thing he puts it is to try and take control of her situation. She's, of course, discovered doing this. Of course, you're never going to go, you know, un, completely stealth, you know, un, un sort of, um, yeah, undercover, I guess would be the, the best thing. Uh, but then when she's in a position where she's about to be killed by the Barthamonts and a few other people who are also in the, I guess it's probably like a cult type deal, she basically goes, well, she goes postal, would probably be the best term, and it's this it's described on the the law as devouring these these people who are trying to kill her, and she also murders Lady Barthamon by decapitating her, which also seems to be a theme with these uh, heroes who f- float around the monastery. So, on the main sort of flesh and blood TCG page, well, on Leviathan's hero page, there's, there's a great bit of lore there that basically goes into it, written by Nicola Price, illustrated by Ian Meeke. Um and there was actually another piece as well that uh, was released on the 15th of April, 2021. So, if you want to scroll back through the, the website there, that was also done by Nicola Price, and um, that was illustrated by uh, Nicolay Moskvin, though. Um, and that talks about Leviah's journey to the De Monastery, where she meets Chain. I miss Chain. Um, <laughs> but but if, you are, if you are interested in it, I would definitely recommend going and reading it. It is really cool. It is really interesting. And you do get to see a bit of... A bit more about the De Monastery. So you learn about the, the building forces there and, and the preceding war that hopefully we'll see flushed out at some point between Solana and, and the De Monastery. So again, if you do fancy learning about Leviah, or even just the, the story in general, I'd massively recommend going in and giving that a read. I think it is really, really interesting. Um, so that's really it in terms of the, the law. I don't, I don't want to go too much into it because there is quite a lot there, because Leviah's obviously been out for a, for a spell now. So the artwork she's got on the, the website is, is phenomenal. The illustrators have done such a good job. Um yeah, I, I, I do miss Chain. <laughs> I do miss Chain. Um, right, so we'll go for another break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the actual deck. We'll go through the deck list, um, my reasons for playing stuff and, and the actual deck tech itself and how the games I played went because um, I think that's quite important if you if you do fancy taking Leviathan to a skirmish, which I, I don't think is a bad decision. Um, so we'll go for a quick break and we'll uh, we'll be right back. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. So we'll have a look now at the actual deck itself. Um, we'll go through the equipment, the reds, the yellows, the blues, and then we'll we'll have a look in terms of how the um, the deck plays out. So equipment, I've got ten. Uh, I'm pretty certain my maths is right there. Three, six, nine, ten. Yep. So I've got Arcanite Skullcap and uh, Skullhorn taking the head slots. Skullhorn is mainly a sideboard piece. Got Carrion Husk and Nullroom Robe taking up the chest piece. Again, null rune robe is generally sideboard. Um, now we have two mandible claws taking up the hand slots. So, all very good. Uh, scabskin leathers, as you would expect. Because and there's no like sideboard piece for that. Even though there's probably an argument to put in null rune boots. Um, I think I'm more likely to roll 
roll on scabskin against wizards. But anyway, um, Goliath Gauntlets, Gambler's Gloves, and Nullroon Gloves as my hand pieces. So that makes up my 10 equipment points. The deck has 16 red cards in it. Remember, Blitz is 2 of anything, only up to 40 cards, and 11 uh, equipment pieces. So 16 reds in the deck, 2 Sigil of Solace, 2 Boneyard Marauder, 2 Big Swings, 2 Pulpins, 2 Pack Hunts, 2 Barrage and Breakdown, 2 Savage Feast, and 2 Beast Mode. Now... We'll go into that in a little bit, actually. I'm not going to go into the dead tech now. So, eight yellows, two blood rush bellows, two barrage and beatdowns, two beast withins, and two smash instincts. I think a pretty good um, yellow stack there. And then 16 blues. So, one reckless swing, one uh, soul harvest, two barrage and beatdown, two high roller, two wrecker romp, two convulsions from the bellows of hell, two unworldly bellow. Two Awakening Bellow and two Clearing Bellow. <laughs> a lot of bellowing going on in this deck. In fact, there is. <laughs> in fact, there's eight blue cards that have the term Bellow in it. We've got eight, ten with the yellow. So we've got ten cards that have the word Bellow in it. That's pretty funny. Um, so quite a lot of blues there. Um, we'll have a quick look at the deck tech now then. So the main aim really is to be Reinhardt with more armor. So the key really here is that you have access to those shadow cards. And they are at, like and by shadow cards I mean carrion husk. Essentially it gives you twenty-six life to play with. And especially in Blitz where the games are going quite quick, being able to th throw a six block in front of a big attack is just what you need in your life. Um The general overall plan of the deck is is really easy. It is to Intimidate a couple of cards from hand using the multitude of Intimidate cards. I mean, you've got Boneyard Marauder, Pack Hunt, Bar uh, sorry, not Boneyard Marauder, Barrage and Beatdown, Pack Hunt. We've got Barrage and Beatdown Yellow and Smash Instinct Yellow. And then we have uh, Barrage and Beatdown, High Roller, Awakening Bellow, and Clearing Bellow on the blues. To, we've got a lot of Intimidate cards in this deck. Uh, I think it's uh, 2, 4, 6, 16 cards in total with the Intimidate keyword. So it's pretty reasonable that you're going to see one, maybe two of them a turn. And then, obviously, whatever's left in your hand, you can then throw. Um, quite often, you'll find, like, I, I watched a video that Ethan Mansant put out where he talked about sort of like the rule of three, where you... If you need to be able to pitch a blue and activate like a non-attack and attack. So this deck really tries to keep the cost curve reasonably low. Um, just so you can th say, I don't know, um, Convulsions is two cost, Boneyard Marauder is one. So all you need is a blue in hand and you can activate both those cards. I mean, obviously you need six cards in the grave, but you know, you, for, for one three pitch, you can activate two pretty damn useful cards. Again, the, ascent, the idea really is to get rid of a couple of cards then either force through damage or force your opponent to block with the cards they have. Um, the Intimidate is random, so you may potentially get rid of a couple of those juicy defense reactions, which means they have to use the cards in hand to block. So the, the point really is to try and force through damage where possible. Um, what I've generally tried to do as a finish is try and use a dominated attack so whether that is a pull pin that successfully triggers or even using um, convulsions of, of bellows of hell as I mentioned 
that gives an, an attack dominate. And then if you throw again, Boneyard Marauder after that, it's one cost. It's It would become seven damage off convulsions. It's super useful. And it's worked out pretty well. Um, I think, if I, again, if I was going to go to a skirmish, I think it would either be Leviathan or I would commit fully and take a gamble and go with Reinhardt. But I do think since he's lost Heart and Cross Strat, Reinhardt has lost a little bit of his teeth. Because with a four-card hand... I've done it before. Um, you can go like three intimidates, pop the uh, cross strap, and then fire a swing big. And if you've got barraging beatdowns as those intimidates, the swing big is gaining attack. It's it's just horrible. But with the loss of heart and cross strap, you're not going to see that much. So I think Leviathan's backup of having the big armor piece is super useful. So the deck doesn't use really any blood debt as well, if you've noticed. So the Boneyard Marauder, I think, is the only actual attack in there that has any blood debt. Convulsions and Unworldly Bellow don't have blood debt. Um, then obviously you've got the you do have the Husk, which has blood debt, but I think even if you pop that pretty early in the game, it takes six turns of you not activating your ability for that to really come into effect and six turns in blitz is probably not happening so i think yeah it keeping the blood deck quite low in this in this deck has, has been good i did play hunger and slaughter beast in there for a hot minute but when i read the ability on beast mode <laughs> as this deck intimidates and wants to force through damage the idea of having a three cost attack that gains damage when you have intimidated just really spoke to me. So I swapped out the blue, uh, red Hunger and Slaughter Beast for red beast mode. So I increased the cost curve a little bit, but I think if you play a Barrage and Beatdown or High Roller, whatever, they're, they're zero cost. Pitch a blue to play um, beast mode. It's coming at them for eight, unless you pop Goliath Gauntlets, in which case it's coming at them for ten. And they're missing one, say, minimum of one card from hand. That's That's a lot to block out. So I think you're not doing it the same way as you would with Rhino, where you just want to get rid of their entire hand and force through a load of damage. You're kind of wanting to force them to block by just getting rid of a couple of cards, meaning that they need to either block with the rest or take X amount of damage. So, yeah. Um, I did also have uh, Pummel in the deck for a little bit. I actually had that in instead of Convulsions. But what I found was when I was playing, it didn't it didn't get the value. Like quite often I wouldn't be playing it, I'd be pitching it. So I figured, well if I'm gonna if I'm gonna I'd rather have convulsions to get at least the on like the, the, the dominate attack. So if I do have an opportunity to play it, convulsions will at least give me dominate. And it's three block where pummel's only two. So there was a little bit of a discussion. I decided to make the move because Convulsions, I thought, was a nice finish piece where um, Pummel was just like an extra card from hand, but the deck really had been doing well enough that it didn't need them, if that makes sense. Um, Soul Harvest isn't really there for anything other than its attack power. It's essentially, it's, well, for its defense and pitch, it's, it's a 
three pitch, it's block six. It's got six damage in case you need to discard it for anything. It, it just triggers a lot of abilities. You're never gonna, ever gonna play it as an attack. Oh yeah, the Unworldly Bellow was actually a bit of a late addition as well. Um, I didn't have anything like that in there. I, I took out I took out a yellow, I think, and replaced it with a blue Unworldly Bellow. Yeah, you banish three, so you may trigger your ability and maybe not take any blood debt for a turn, but you get that plus two to your next attack. It's one cost. It fits perfectly in that rule of three, where... I can hit a three pitch, play the unworldly bellow. I've still got two floating resources. That's a oh man, like what is that? Let me just bring the deck back up. I mean, we've got pack hunt in there, um, big swing in there. Boneyard marauder still fits into that nicely. You 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 really I mean hell if you've got it in your hand, you may even throw wrecker romp. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. Pulping is two as well, so you draw one, discard a card, it's getting the plus two, potentially the dominate, and potentially go again. There's The only things that would fall outside where you would need extra cards would be something like Beast Mode, um, Smash Instinct is three cost. They're really the only cards that don't work well with, with Unworldly Bellow. So I think it's a good, personally, I think it's quite a good move to uh, to put that in. I did initially have the idea of putting in Art of Wars and maybe a Shadow Puppetry, but the deck with it going so heavy into Intimidate, you generally are only throwing one big attack a turn. Um, if you hit the Blood Rush Bellow turns, you probably just go in at them with the Claws anyway. And then maybe throwing a big attack at the end of the combat chain. I have done like Claw, Claw, Boneyard Marauder at the end to really clear out your opponent's hand and do some big damage so not really too fussed um, about the go again or or even the pump that you can get from Art of War because I'm, I'm just generally not really using it as I did say the banning of Heart and Cross Strap really for me hit, hit Reinar because you could just pop that and throw the swing big for free can't do that in this build it's, it's not legal the the gauntlet is still pretty good. I probably am only really taking the gloves, the gambler's gloves against KO. And I'm only taking the Null Rune against Wizards. I'm probably not even bothering taking it. Mm, probably would take it against Viserai, um, one of the Rune Blades. But primarily it's there for Wizard. Um, you may even think to yourself, why not Crown of Providence over Skullcap? That is a really easy answer. I don't own one. <laughs> also I think that you are because you don't want to block as much with this deck there's a very good chance you are going to be below even if only for a little bit so you may get the, the full value from Skullcap during the game so yeah I'd probably just say see how, see how I feel there so that's really it I do think the deck really speaks for itself essentially the you are looking to, to intimidate, get cards from hand slow down what they can block with or force them to block with cards they don't necessarily want to block with because you've intimidated out hopefully the cards that they do want to block with um, one of the actual fun additions to this actually just before we do go on is Sigil of Solace originally that was a sink below and 
I played the deck almost a little bit defensively where I would be willing to pitch and then because I had a little bit more blood debt in there I would be willing to buy myself a little bit of time um, and sink belows were quite a good part of that to try and cycle through my deck but actually I had a great game against um, oh it was I think his name's Andy um, who basically was playing Lexi a lightning variation of Lexi he opted to go first and as he was doing all his crazy Voltaire pitching stuff, I just went, I had two Sigil of Solace in my hand and I gained six life. So my life essentially went up to 32 for that game. Um, needless to say, I won. Because I just had so much life and so much block. He just didn't really, couldn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, Sigil of Solace for me, super cool card. And especially if you start taking Blood Debt, because that Sigil of Solace... Um, buys you six life, and if you've got carrion husk, which is going to take six turns to to kill, to do six damage, you've almost mitigated a bit of that. So I think having the sigil solace in there, super great. And I'm not going to say enough about pulpin. I used to hate pulpin. I thought oh, it's the draw one, then discard a random one. If you draw and it's not six damage, you've fluffed. But actually, pulpin has one. Um, a couple of games where I've been needed to dominate to get past that last little bit um, worked really well against uh, Ice. Yeah, I think it was um, Ice Lexi. Worked really well against Icelander. <laughs> she was like, "Oh yeah, I can't really do anything." I was like, "I know. <laughs> thank, thank God, you can't do anything." But yeah, so I, I think there's some changes that I've done. Um, that I'm really, really happy with. There are some things I would like to change. So what we'll do is we'll we'll go for another quick break. We'll come back and I'll just talk about the things that I would maybe consider changing. Um, you might be quite surprised, actually. So <laughs> we'll go for a quick break and we'll come right back. Welcome back. Okay. First change I think I would make... And I'm not 100% sold on it, because I've already made the change once. And that is actually swapping convulsions for blue pummel. I do realise, in the last segment, I said I, I made the other swap, where I swapped the pummels for convulsions. I would consider going back. Um, I have had a game where I've intimidated a couple of cards, thrown the attack, and my opponent has just sat there and taken it, because they want the full forehand going into next turn. Because it's never a guarantee they'll block. So having a blue pummel in there, it's still the three pitch. If all else fails, it's still two block rather than three. So you do lose a block, but you get a card out of their hand. So a three card hand is a much better prospect, or even a four card hand if they've got something in Arsenal, is a much better prospect than a four slash five card hand if they have something in Arsenal. So there is, is a little point that does want to make the move back. Um, convulsions is very much a subjective trigger because if you don't hit a six for any reason it doesn't work and you've just pitched two resources to banish three cards from your hand for no real reason uh, from your graveyard for no real reason so it's 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 something I will, would maybe like to test a little bit more don't know um, if I had a crown of providence I would add it in over skullcap uh, solely because of the cycling power. I do 
do really like it. Um, I feel like because I'm not looking necessarily to do much blocking, maybe only ever really with one card, having a big fridge of defense is, is so useful, especially in Blitz. Um, so yeah, we'll see. And again, another swap that I would consider would actually be, again, going backwards and taking out the sigils for Sink Belows. But again, only really for the the cycle, to, to, to cycle out cards. And, you know, I can maybe put that red that I won't need next turn on the bottom, draw, hopefully draw out a blue that I do need or something that I do need. Again, I do like the Sigil of Solace. I like what it does. I like the fact I gain six health out of it. I like the fact that it buys me six turns of um, carrying husk in my banish zone. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things I like about it. But being able to just block that four, cycle a card, is still super useful. And as I said, I did have it in the deck initially anyway. So it is something I would be tempted to maybe go back to. So then... That's really it. I mean, you could change the deck to go a little bit more blood debt heavy and really aggressive. Endless More is a card I'm really getting behind. I didn't think I would, but I'm I I do quite enjoy Endless More. So that may be maybe worth having a look at. I'm going for a full blood debt variant, but I think I'm I, I know where my loyalties lie, and that's with. Uh, with the, the, the rip-off Reinar build. <laughs> um, so that's really it, if I'm honest, for changes that I'd make. I am, I'm actually really happy with the deck, which is, which is stupid, because I'm constantly ticking away and chipping away at decks. Like, I'll take one card out, put another card in, yeah. So to be pretty happy with the deck, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with. I did say I would talk about it, so I will. I have now upgraded this deck actually to to constructed. Um, if I'm honest, a lot of it has just been putting in a third copy of the cards in that we're only two of or one of, just you know where appropriate. Like for example, putting in an extra Recaromp and uh, not Recaromp, um, Reckless Swing, um, and stuff like that. The sideboard for the deck is a little bit more controlly, so it can run two different variations where I go for a very heavy claws, blood rush bellow, aggressive type build where I'm throwing lots of high damage attacks. Or it can go with a I'm gonna block everything and swing with the romping club and if I'm lucky might even get to uh, throw a pummel or two at you. That's pretty much how the the deck has been working. Like I said, there has been a conversation there has been a conversation around the Blood Deck cards. So the Shadow Brute card pool itself is I think is really good. Like Dread Screamers, Hungering Slaughter Beast, Endless More, like a, a three cost that's just attacking for nine is insane. Um I I, I made the joke with um so I, I got beaten at the Road to Na not the Road to Nationals, at the ProQuest where I played Chain. I got beaten in the playoffs like the top eight playoffs by a chap playing as Leviah. Uh, Jack his name was. He's was super cool and I said to him after the game, Chain because he played full on blood debt. 
I was like, Chain doesn't deal with this type of violence. Chain is a sophisticated hero who he doesn't deal with, with this type of aggression. Because it was so scary, some of the damage he was throwing at me. Like, oh yeah, here's a 9. Oh yeah, here's a 10. Here's a 9. Here's a 10. Just so casual about the, the, the sheer volume of damage that was coming at me. Um, I think Blood Debt has a big thing. But that turn, you don't hit your your Banish 3. You've, you, you can literally blow yourself up because you haven't banished a 6 damage attack it's really really scary and I think being able to manage my own resources and what my opponent's doing and what I'm doing is, is hard enough as it is without needing to add blood debt into that where I'm like oh how do I stop blood debt this turn or I'm going to take X amount of damage um, so it's a little less stressful playing this variation of the deck where you're going heavy on the, the Intimidate so yeah that would be my um, I would consider maybe moving to the Blood Debt variant but I'm pretty pretty happy with the one I'm playing at the moment so essentially if you're, you are a Leviathan um, get yourself to the Legal Leviathan Discord um, you can get there via following Ethan Manzan on Manzan on on Twitter. His, his link for it is in his bio. It's non-stop Leviathan talk. I've taken on so much advice from there, like um, looking through people's deck texts, looking through, and people being very open about what they're doing. So people being like, "Hey guys, I've got Rotor Nationals coming up. I'm going to take Leviathan. This is the deck I have." What? what can you help me with and people just being super helpful like oh you need this for this person you need to play that oh that's really good keep that yeah it's it's super refreshing to see that type of environment um as opposed to seeing people talking about their uh, quote unquote spicy deck techs but then not giving anything away until after they've played at a tournament <laughs> so Seeing people just being completely upfront and be like, hey guys, I've got this build for Leviathan. What do you guys think? I want to take it to a Pro Quest. I want to take it to a Rota National. I'm going to take it to my local armory. And people have generally been super cool about jumping in and saying, yeah, man, this is awesome. Do this, do this. You should try this. Have you considered doing this? It's it's really good. So um, I'd probably say don't be put off by how little Leviathan has done in terms of competition wins. She's progressing. She's seen some wins, which is really cool. But I think one of the biggest issues is that her ability doesn't point you in a specific way, as bad as that sounds, because you can just ignore it, like what I do, where I just don't care about her ability. For me, she's just a brute that has a couple of shadow cards and potentially deals herself damage. <laughs> I think she's pretty much an open book of um, potential. And if you look at her carpool, shadow, shadow brute, brute, generic she has a big card pool to play with and especially the the fact that generic card pool will increase and obviously as they bring out more shadow heroes and stuff that card pool will increase as well so that's really it for this week it again skirmish season is here by the time this episode airs it's going to be in full swing give Leviathan a try i honestly think you won't regret it as I said, there's a couple of changes there that I think I would maybe do. See how they feel for you. The Sigil of Solaces, the um, uh, Convulsions from the Bellows of Hell. Would you rather have a more defensive defensive deck that's able to cycle? Or do you like gaining Dominate 
and boosting your life? I think that's really the 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 question being posed here. Again, beast mode. Do you think beast mode is reasonable? It's three cost. Hunger and slaughter beast is only two. Mm, um, yeah. Mm. Savage feast is in there as well. Would you stick with the ran one random discard, or would you maybe maybe put hunger and slaughter beast in for that instead? Don't know. The the deck is pretty wide in terms of how open it is to change. It's it's very willing to make changes where it feels that it's going to benefit. Like I said, Convulsions is there, Unworldly Bellow. These are cards that aren't 100% needed, but are pretty useful to have around. There could be better alternatives. Let me know. Reach out. I'm always, always happy to listen. Again, join the League of Leviah. Great, great Discord server. Um, always people chatting in there. It's super fun. Um, yeah. Massively, massively happy with, uh, with with signing my name up. Um, yeah, so obviously, um, as I said, she doesn't have much in terms of wins. Has had a bit of an increase in card pool, though. A, a couple of the cards are noted with from the Reinhardt versus Dorinthia start set. So, again, probably worth picking up if you don't already have it. We'll wrap up. Um, Leviya. She's still got such a special place in my heart. She was the very first hero I ever played because I played her straight out of a pre-con blitz deck against Prism and I've never stopped being a fan. Um, I was so chuffed to be knocked out of the ProQuest by someone playing as Leviah. I, like, even at the end of the game, I said to him, I was like, mate, I'm so happy that you've won. Like, I tried to win, obviously, but... I was like, I'm so happy that you won because it's so cool to see Leviah get into that stage, or people playing her to that stage. Um, Jack was super cool. He also gets on the League of Leviah, and he's yeah, he's, he's he's a super nice guy. I think <laughs> I did say to him actually, we'll have a quick chat. About that. I, I did make we did have the chat afterwards where we were talking about um, we play. I pledged my soul to the wrong demon. Um, I should have pledged my soul to Blasphemer because I was actually playing it on a um, soul reaping, a soul harvest playmat. <laughs> I was playing, and he looked at me and he went, "You've you've got the wrong hero there." And I was like, "I know. I feel like I've got the wrong hero now because you just trounced me." And it was really funny. Um, yeah, so that's it. Um, so that's it really for this week. If you've played Leviathan and Blitz, let me know how you get on. Um, which version did you go with? Did you go with my version? Did you? modify it did you did you go full blood debt did you just go endless more to, to death um, reach out Big Boss Book Club on Instagram uh, my link tree's there um, send you to everywhere I am and everywhere I'm interested in um, thank you so much for listening I will catch you next time I'm Big Boss I am out peace <laughs>